0: One, two, three,
1: four. Welcome, the crazy Chester. Welcome, the crazy Chester.
2: Welcome to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. My guest today is Brooks Forsyth. Brooks is a musician, singer, and songwriter from Boone, North Carolina, with deep musical roots that go back to early folk, country, bluegrass, blues, and jazz, as you can hear in his guitar playing and singing. Brooks has a new album coming out in just a few days on Arena Recordings called So Much Beyond Us. On the album, he collaborated with Buzz Kaysen, who's been a guest on the Crazy Chester Radio Hour several times. And he was recorded at Creative Workshop
3: Recording Studio here in Nashville. Brooks, welcome to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. Thank you for being my guest today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Andreas. It's a pleasure. So, we met a few months back when you came to Creative Workshop here in Berry Hill to record your album with Buzz Kaysen. And... uh and now we're ready to uh, to release that record. So uh, let's uh, talk a little bit first about how that record c- came about and how you met Buzz.
0: Oh, wow, the story of meeting Buzz. Yes, that was, um, I guess it started playing in a country store, uh, the Old Hampton store out in uh, Linville, North Carolina. That's in Western North Carolina, near uh, Boone, if people know Boone, North Carolina. and uh, I was playing in there, and a guy named David Walker, he was sitting there listening to me, and he said, oh, you got a nice little voice there, buddy. And I, and I said, well, thank you, sir. And he some, uh, at some point of the conversation said he used to sing back up for Marty Robbins. I said, oh, wow. Well, you got any uh, you know any people from back in the old days that you, uh, that you still keep in contact with? Because I'm always trying to meet new people and play music. I, I want to play in Nashville and all that. And uh, he said, well, I know a guy named Spook, Spook Joyner, and he lives out in uh, Nashville, North Carolina. I said, okay, well, that's kind of the opposite direction, but uh, I guess that's a start, you know. I guess it's technically Selma, but he lives, you know, out in that area of, of, uh, of North Carolina. Anyway, I, I drove out to meet old Spook and, and uh, played some songs I'd been writing then, and uh, he finally got me in touch with Buzz in Nashville and so uh, next week I was driving I drove from Nashville North Carolina to Nashville Tennessee and I met with uh, Buzz Case and, and uh, I played him some of my songs and and he said let's keep in touch and uh, we didn't get together until about I think two years later and I'd done a couple tours around the country I stopped back through Nashville uh, at the end of a tour and and met back up with Buzz and finally he said he was he was ready to uh, to cut an album and so that's sort of the uh, and that's the abbreviated version of the story, as long as it was. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was sort of a, a a few different connections there, but it got me in touch with uh, Buzz and and all the people down here at
3: Creative Workshop. Yeah, and after you reconnected with him, everything went pretty smoothly and pretty quickly too. It's like it seems like a couple months later you had a record.
0: That was incredible. Uh, in terms of how quickly it happened, yeah, that. that you know i i had met with him in i think the end of september of 17 and then we were recording in i think december um and the and the first i think the the majority of the album was tracked in 2 days which was incredibly fast for what i was used to you know uh, so yeah you're exactly right i mean it, it happened in the blink of an eye but,
3: so uh Mention a few of the people who actually made this record possible, without besides, but absolutely Some well, of the players.
0: Yeah, Parker Case and his son. I mean, he was the, the primary engineer of the record, um, and uh, you know, he was Buzz and Parker were the producers, and uh, it was great to have them. Kind of the dichotomy of their two styles. I mean, they're they're very similar in, in a lot of ways, but you know, Parker is very in tune with the with the new age of recording and you know, using Pro Tools and uh, you know, the digital software recording and all the microphones. I mean, we were coming in and testing microphones before I even uh, recorded one, you know, vocal line. But um, And, you know, Buzz comes from that old school of, of uh, you know, recording. And so he has all these uh, suggestions about, you know, uh, on the production end, um, you know, in terms of cleaning up lines or parts of songs and, so it was it was really neat to have both of them working together, and it's almost like the old school and the new school combined. Um, and I think it, it, it brought an extra element to the album. Um, in terms of the session players, gosh, I mean that's what really blew me away. Also was was uh, there was um, John Radford on drums, Michael Rennie on bass, uh, Sadler Vaden on electric guitar. Wanda Vick on I I believe about six different instruments. I mean, she was just phenomenal. She had she brought in she walked in with a dobro, a mandolin, a banjo, a fiddle. I think I'm missing something, uh, or a couple of instruments there. But she came in with all these instruments, and was literally putting a different uh, instrument on on most of the. On, on she was switching for, between each song, you know. Um, and yeah, so, she's
3: she's the woman for the icing on the cake.
0: Exactly. She's the she she was wildly uh, talented. I mean, it, it you know I had never seen anything quite like it. Um, uh, but you know, really, all of, everybody that was involved. Uh, and and then later on, uh, Buzz brought in uh, Eamon McLaughlin, who plays at the Grand Opry, and uh, Buzz said, "I hear strings on this one song." And I said, "Oh well, by all means, you know, I I've always, <laughs> I would love some strings on a tune." And so he brought in uh, Eamon McLaughlin, and and Eamon came in with. Uh, I asked I asked Buzz, "Do you have a you know a, a an orchestra or a symphony section you bring in for this?" He goes, "Well, we got we got a guy." <laughs> Amazing. We got a guy that comes in. He brings in a a violin, a viola, and a cello, and uh, he ends up, you know, putting arranging the string section on a song. And he was on two of the songs in this album. There's two songs. One, "Cast My Dreams to the Wind," and the other, uh, "Don't Come Around No More." And uh, you know, he's playing a lot of the melody lines from the actual song, but he's also putting these counter melodies. Uh, some things, you know, that I mean, I that he actually wrote those counter melodies to the songs, so, which I thought was was uh, was so good. But um, in in you know in in essence, I, I, I just think that the way that these session players adapted to these songs, I, I they might have heard demos of it of some of the tunes I'd sent to Buzz earlier. But you know, really, what it came down to was me having an acoustic guitar in the control room, and they were all huddled around between each song. They would listen to me play the song maybe once or twice on an acoustic guitar. And one of them would sort of chart it out loosely. Uh, they would take turns and then go make some copies. Real quick, we'd go into the recording studio and a lot of the songs were cut in one to three takes. So for them to hear these songs maybe 10 minutes before we, we played them. And if you listen to the record, I mean, what sticks out to me is how tight they are. It sounds like a band that's been, you know, rehearsing together or something, and uh, it just sort of took me to a whole nother level with, with I mean, just what it looks like to, to be around professionals. You know, I can really say that about pretty much everyone and everything that was involved in this, this uh, process. So, I'm thankful for it. I, I'm, I'm excited about it, and, uh, and I'm happy the way it turned out.
3: Yeah. Well, you mentioned Don't Come Around No More. Would you mind playing that for us?
0: I could probably play that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see here. Got this tune. Give the acoustic version here.
1: I always don't just think everything is all fine We're far past the time when we cross that line You can say you're sorry Say it's all good, but are we? Let's just curtail this fairy tale May your nights remain story fine. We're far past the time when we cross that line. You can say you're sorry. Say it's all good, but are we? now? Let's just curtail this fairy tale. May your nights remain story. Yeah, let's just curtail this fairy tale. May your nights remain story.
3: So you're an extraordinary, you know, oh. guitar player. Uh, thank you. Flat picking and finger, finger picking. Different. You play play with pick every now and then. I too. play with the. Thank you. That's and uh, that's uh, nice, eh? they so, have the
0: plectrum and the uh, and the thumb. Yeah.
3: So yeah. how did you develop your 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 playing, and who were some of your or are some of your influences?
0: Well, a lot a lot of the. Uh, the players that were kind of around, uh, yeah, I guess, the old finger picking Nashville scene. I, I always enjoyed listening to Chet Atkins and Merle Travis, and um, you know, I think the person who first turned me on to that stuff was Doc Watson. I always talk about Doc Watson when I'm at some point if I'm playing a show or or, or you know uh, on the radio or whatever it is. That there, he usually finds a way to get into the conversation. You know, um, and I grew up in that area, like I said, in North Carolina. And he actually, he, he was from Deep Gap, which is about 20 minutes from Boone. And uh, I used to go see him live as a very young kid. I think the first time I saw him was about four years old. Um, and, you know, he would put on these unannounced concerts, and you'd be able to see him when, with about 30 other people, you know. <laughs> which was, at that age, you don't even realize what you're seeing, you know. You, this guy who's toured around the world and... And you get to see him sort of in a real intimate setting. But anyway, back to what you were saying that the the guitar style uh, that he played was sort of a split between those two uh, thumb picking and uh, flat picking. He would flat pick a lot of those old fiddle songs, and then he would, you know, thumb pick a lot, mostly in the Travis style. If you watch how he's playing, he's doing that thumb and pointer. usually cheat a little bit i'll use the other fingers too you know don't tell anybody but yeah i i uh was very uh entertained by his his playing and i would think that in terms of that acoustic style a lot of it has to do with doc watson you know uh, just sort of the way he would just transition between the two as you said earlier flat picking and thumb picking so um but there's all sorts of players i mean i'm i'm very into jazz players there's there's a there's a player called Lenny Bro that all, most guitarists would know out there, and, um, you know, he's out of this world in terms of playing jazz licks, and, you know, just just all these in, in, uh, incredible uh, chord combinations and arrangements that that um, I also try to insert in, in the playing. So it's not just old backwoods picking, you know. I, I try to, uh, you know, take a little bit from... I mean, I might take a little bit from *Bossa Nova*, you know, or I might take a little bit from from a West Montgomery lick or something. Uh, but you know, I'm just I'm just into anybody who uh, who you know, took the time to really, uh, you know, play the guitar. <laughs> yeah.
3: You grew up in Boone, North Carolina, and was a lot of that music around you growing up, or did you have to seek it out?
0: Well, the Doc was the Doc Watson music was, and like I said, I got to see him live. Um, You know, I think there's good and bad things about this new uh, digital age, if you will, of of media and whatnot. uh, But the good thing about it for me was to be able to dig up a lot of things online. You know, I can... People ask, do you you take guitar lessons? Some people ask that. Some people say you need guitar lessons. It just depends on who I'm talking to, you know. Um, But, yeah, the... uh, you know, the the internet has really led me to to take guitar lessons from from people that never knew they were giving them to me, <laughs> so I can go and look up an old uh, hee haw show of Chet Atkins or whatever, or, or uh, look up you know um, I think there's that one video of Django Reinhardt that does exist out there, you know, for example, or um, you know it, it's just you're able to go out and and uh, dig up things that at your finger they're right at your fingertips, you know, so. Just because it wasn't around North Carolina, you know, doesn't mean that that I couldn't get it. uh, It wasn't accessible to me pretty easily. However, I will say that sort of through those players like Doc Watson, it led me to other. I mean, you know, Doc played with Chet, for example. He had an album, at least one with him. Uh, And so that, you know, you sort of follow the breadcrumb trail uh, from from one player to the next. Uh, And I did get to see all sorts of players when I was younger. You know, in fact, I did see Chet Atkins. I just remembered this. I saw Chet Atkins when I was about seven years old and Doc Watson on the ASU, Appalachian State University, that is, football field. So uh, I, I actually, I, I just, I didn't even remember that until now. I was very young. But yes, that's uh, so I actually did see both of them live together at one time. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot, I, it didn't necessarily have to be from that area to answer your, to answer your question. Um, but some of the players around that area certainly led me to others. Uh, you know, in Nashville and, and, and elsewhere.
3: Yeah. Were you like developing your guitar playing and your singing at the same time or did you first play and then later sing or how, how did that develop?
0: I don't know. I, I think that um, it was sort of split, in, uh, to be honest, because, uh, you know, I, uh, if if a, if a singer, you know, I, I, I love listening to like old, uh, you know, R&B or, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Bossa Nova, you know, someone like uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim or, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be from from the style that I'm, I am primarily play, which I guess would be called Americana, but I don't really know what Americana even means. It's like nine or ten different genres in one bundle, you know, but, um, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I could be inspired by... Um, You know, Carter Stanley, or I could be inspired by Frank Sinatra, or, uh, you know, uh, Louis Jordan, or, uh, you know, Louis Armstrong, you know, it it doesn't really matter. I I used to be very into Jimi Hendrix, and I mean, I still am, but have sort of, you know, exhausted almost his recordings and and still love revisiting them, you know, (laughs) frequently. But uh, I used to be very inspired by the way he sang. You know, uh, people that that uh, might be known for something else. That you know, that it's fun. I always think it's funny how Jimi Hendrix is, is known for being this amazing guitarist, which he is, and then but it almost downplays other. You're almost underrated in other categories. I mean, what about his voice? What about like all oh, his writing? You know, he, he was uh, he was multifaceted in his skill level. But um, I I just you know I listen to so many different styles of singers. I think and and so. That that led me to uh, to develop the voice, but yeah, I, I would think that it was a little bit outside of the guitar playing to answer that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Would you mind playing another song? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, or I, I would not mind. You know, people answer those questions. They say, Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I would mind. I yeah. Mind. You know, yes, I, absolutely. I, I am I'm not, not gonna. do I am that. absolutely <laughs> not gonna play you anything. Um, no, I'll play you this
1: is a song.
0: Um, this is one of those songs that I wrote. I think all in one sitting, which is very rare for me. Um, oh, I was gonna say earlier too. I like uh, uh, to go back to what I was saying. Like, you know, someone like Bob Dylan, who people are sort of know. People talk about how his voice. You know, I, I, that's what I hear almost every gig I play when I do a Bob Dylan cover. Is uh, well, he, he could write. You know, what about his voice or whatever? But uh, yeah, there's a lot of songs like that he sang that I'm very inspired by the vocal performance of, you know, like, Last the, night I
3: saw you play Don't Think Twice it's Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a,
0: one of those classic tunes that, you know, a lot of people did. I think Doc did it and, and uh, Ramblin' Jack Elliott. So I think Bob Dylan sort of gave it to Ramblin' Jack when he saw him play it. I think that's the story. But anyway, there's, there's songs from, like, the Freewheel and, like, Karina, Karina, the way Dylan sings that. Uh... That I don't mean a thing, you know, there, there's all these moves that, and then, you know, obviously the Nashville skyline is 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 sort of known for a different style of singing from him, but you know, it, it, there's people that, I guess the point is that, you know, there's 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 people that, that you would be very obvious that you get influences from, and there's people that you might not think of. you might think that this person isn't a good singer, but you know, it's, it's definitely inspired me to want to sing. You know? Anyway, here's a song. It's called Little Coal Mining Town.
1: This is how He got laid off With no hard feelings for his boss His company just couldn't afford the cost He'd been working 20 years in the panhandle To support his wife Corita and their son Daniel, his family life hidden for shambles. This is how it all went down. In a little cold night in town. In a little So went on a drinking binge he burned the bridges between his few close friends he lost his wife found heroin hey Henry is that you you don't look like you Stu. not like the good man Wants new move. Yeah, this is how know in my Outside the protesters become violent they don't agree with the political climate They can no longer remain silent And this is how it all
3: new record there's going to be 11 songs 10 of which you wrote Mm -hmm. including the one he just performed now do you have any particular way of writing does he come with with the music first or a lyric or any which way the
0: interesting question yeah and and i think a lot of writers get that question and have different answers for it That's, that's what i was trying to go into earlier when i was and i went off on another tangent that's kind of how my my mind works but um I, uh, like, for example, that song, Little Coal Mining Town, I, I actually wrote, I think, all in one sitting. I'm almost, I think almost all of it was written in one sitting, and it just sort of came to me, and that's usually not how it works for me, um, but I almost always come up with the music first, and you know, the music seems to come more naturally, uh, at least when it comes to my writing, uh, and then the lyrics seem to be the painful part, you know, you have to kind of eke your way through them, or... Uh, through the process of writing them but every now and then you get a song like that where it just sort of it's almost like it came from somewhere you know you're just just sort of the the vehicle for it you know Uh, I've heard a lot of other artists say it that way that's how it feels sometimes in other ways it it seems like you're manifesting the entire thing (laughs) but uh, yeah I, I think that that song is an example of one that that just comes naturally to you but for me I almost always write the music first and then I, I might sit on a song for, for I mean I, I, there was a song on this last record I think I had the idea for almost 10 years ago you know and then there's another song that I finished writing the morning of recording so there's not it, I don't record you know linearly uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know what's what's current writing i i can pick and choose from from whenever i you know from a from a kind of a back burner of of a repertoire of songs i've been trying to write for a long time um but yeah if i had to put a rhyme or reason to it which there really isn't much of one but but it's just sort of music before the lyrics and then you sort of slowly fill in the lyrics that's kind of how my process seems to work mostly
3: so when i produce an artist's record and we are in a position where there are more songs to choose from than we can record for an album because you only have, you know, so much time. So an artist usually has an idea of which are the artist's favorites and Mm then me as a producer might have a different opinion. So for example, there's this track that an artist doesn't necessarily think is one of their favorites, but it might strike me as strong and I might suggest to record that and add to the pile. Now, when you went in this record with Buzz, do you had a very clear idea which songs you wanted to record, or did he influence that process somehow?
0: Uh, that's a that's another great question. I mean, and you know, uh, when it comes to this exact record, because uh, there were two songs that he, I came in and I'd sent him probably 15, 15 to twenty, somewhere around there, uh, songs, and. I came in and i i've recorded a a few records before this one you know back in north carolina and so i came in he he had he had sort of we kind of loosely talked about which ones we wanted i I told him which ones i liked i liked that last one and i wanted to record that one but um he he wanted to record two songs off the last album i did and i had not thought about doing that and you know here we are this is the day before we're starting the record you know and and he sort of, he, he, we kind of went over the songs that we thought were the, the best kind of with both of our opinions from the list we had had. We condensed it down to about 10 and, uh, but then he had these two songs from the last record he wanted to recut. He thought that they had potential and, um, you know, I had recorded them for a reason back in, back in the last, back in the day, if you will. But, uh, I, I had not thought of recutting them for this album. Um, So that's, you know, an example of of precisely what you're talking about is, you know, he he heard something in prior tunes I had recorded that he thought had potential. Um, Now, like I said, I wrote them for a reason or I I recorded them for a reason. I at one time thought they they were worth recording and still did when I heard when I heard his reassurance, basically. But, um, you know, I was not considered I had not had that on my radar until the day before we recorded. You know, and I thought, well, I know the song, you know, I did write it. I, I wrote the lyrics to it, so I can probably remember most of them. Um, and, you know, if, you know, Buzz has a, you know, he has a, a whole history of this illustrious career of sort of being involved with, with a lot of, of, of big musical moments, you know, in Nashville. And I thought, you know, if he sees something in these songs... Uh, in particular, um, I think I need to listen to him. And you know, he he's not saying uh, you need to record this this song, this type of song. You know, it, he he chose from songs I had already written and recorded. So I thought, well, that's I'm I'm getting it pretty good. You know, most people if they come, if they get a deal or something, they might have they might have some producer that says, well, we have a writer for you that's going to write you a whole new song and a style for you, and you know, we're going to get you a nice hairstylist and, uh, you know, we're going to completely, we're going to change your name and we're going to, you know, you're not even going to be the same person and that would be great for the, (laughs) for the masses. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I thought that I had a pretty good end of it, but yeah, that's, that's the, that's probably the best example of, of that happening is, is him choosing two songs that were older to go back and revisit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was happy with the way they came out too. So I think it was a good move.
3: Yeah, and that's a good example of sometimes having a mirror or a sounding board or somebody else to bounce ideas off to add to a final product. It might not be exactly what you had in mind initially, but it might add another dimension to it that you would have not anticipated.
0: That's what I loved about this process was just that he, you know, I, I, I was able to... Sort of ha- come to the table with ideas and then watch them get animated by people who have done this a lot, um, you know. And and so I it, I was only responsible for bringing the songs, singing the leads, and playing the acoustic guitar, you know. And and I obviously we I had my ideas that I would we would just sort of bounce ideas off each other. But um, it is it is kind of nice to finally get to the place where people are producing you and and sort of. You might have a vision that you never saw before that moment. Yeah, and what you mentioned was
3: just you know go in and play and sing. I guess an important you know job for a producer is to make the artist feel at ease and feel comfortable and not necessarily have to worry too much about anything that would deter from the performance itself.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean that was that was another thing that they did very well. I mean we were. You know, the first day I came in, I I didn't know if I was going to show up and be recording in in that hour of of entering the studio. You know, I was kind of nervous about it and everything. And uh, we, I showed up the first day, and Buzz had just booked a day for us just to sort of go over the songs and talk. And we went out and got some food, and we were talking about like old television shows and things. I mean, we weren't even, you know, (laughs) it was, it was. And I look back now and I go, wow, that was, that was, I think pretty smart of him because by the next day I was ready you know I was at ease I was ready to come in and work you yeah, know set the mood right think. exactly yeah and uh, so there there was there was certainly something you could tell there was experience there on his end and 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 on Parker's end too where you know we're not we're not, we're trying to make this natural we're not trying to to make you uh, uh, shaking through it uh, and that and that helped me I think quite a bit yeah
3: mm-hmm. You have another song off the record?
0: Oh I got songs. I got some songs, I think. Let's see. I got another tune. This is a song. This is one of those songs I wrote probably within two or three weeks of recording this. Right before, you know, recording it. I didn't I I didn't write it after we recorded it. That would that would be kind of a weird that would be Wait, a new way was, of making a record. That would be a whole new thing. But, um, yeah, now this is a, a song that's, I think Towns Van Zandt said something like, he, he, would, he wrote a song and then he learned what it was about a few weeks later something like that. Well, this song was written prior to recording. And it's called Restless at Home and Lonesome on the Road.
1: Choose your ally there's a real war at rise. Some might be fighting battles far from home Some might be fighting demons of their own Open your eyes For well, the time's here to get wise And if the devil comes back for what owed You'll be restless at home Lonesome on the road I've seen so many unsatisfied As if their soul been denied Cowering in the shadows of the cold Faded in spirits that were once so bold But if you don't take the time To get your wrist and rambling in line You might not learn no matter how much you're told You'll be restless at home i on a road There's a real war at right. Some might be fighting battles far from home Some might be fighting demons of their own But if you don't take the time To get your rest and rambling in line You might not learn no matter how much you're told You'll be restless at home Lonesome on the road You'll be restless at home Lonesome on the road, be restless at home. Lonesome on the road.
3: Yeah, and you're gonna hit the road here very soon. Yes, Uh, sir. Where are you gonna be going through
0: there's a circuit that I've been developing. This is the third tour I've done around the USA. Or at least some fairly major cities around the country. And I start off in uh, Boone, North Carolina. I go down to Asheville and then Atlanta. And then uh, Alabama, New Orleans, Austin, Texas, Grand Canyon, and Los Angeles. There's a few stops in between, obviously, but that's sort of the idea. To, to get to the other side. And then... I spend quite a bit of time. I think the majority of the tour is really going up the West Coast. There's probably about seven shows or so, at least, uh, and I go up through you know San Francisco and above it. There's a great place in Petaluma called the Big Easy. I love stopping there and playing. And um, I go up to you know Northern California, and there's even a radio show out there in Mendocino Public Radio that I, I've gone on a couple times and. Uh, will be out there in in August, I think it's August 18th, if I'm not mistaken, Um, in the morning show out there, but, uh, and then after I'm out there for a while, this tour I actually might go up through Oregon, Um, but we'll have to see if those dates will fall into place, but regardless, I come back through the middle route of the country, and hit Salt Lake City, and then uh, a few spots in Colorado, there's um, Boulder, uh, well, Winter Park, and then Denver, and, uh, then I drive through Kansas, and uh, put the cruise control on, and uh, drive through all these parts of the country, and uh, land back in Nashville, Tennessee, and sort of conclude the tour. And a lot of times, I, I think, well, the last two, I've had a show in in Boone to c- conclude it. You know, so you start there and you end there. But it's this loop of the country, uh, you know, anywhere it's about six to seven thousand miles, and uh, you know, hit quite a few major cities and and. Uh, play a few gigs in most places that I go. So, um, and every tour I've added shows to the bill or well, to the itinerary. And so the idea is to keep visiting the same places but also to, you know, make the drives, you know, the first tour was maybe like anywhere from 5 to 8 hours between each gig. Now the second one was, you know, you know, maybe 3 to 5, and now hopefully this time I'm stopping every few hours to, <laughs> to play a gig and I'm not pushing through. You know, empty parts of the uh, of my of my schedule, you know, but um, that's that's the idea behind it, and I want I want to hopefully continue to uh, to to build that type of tour and that circuit. Yeah, and if
3: anybody listening is interested in booking you, mm-hmm. uh, your website is brooksforsyth.com, and
0: how did we come up with that? I don't know. That, I don't know. <laughs> it's I, interesting.
3: We're like, what's it's that word? Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was like you know David <laughs> Bowie used to write songs by just picking random words out of a hat. Right. I think that's what, that's what we did. That's pretty much right? how he landed on there. But know, anyway, books, there's a contact form com. on there. If anybody's yes. interested in booking, <laughs> they can hit you up, and 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 hopefully uh, yeah. you can you can go wherever wherever the demand is coming from.
0: Yeah, I'll come to you. Just let me know. Uh, give me a couple days in advance. Uh, we can fly. I'll fly a private jet out to where you are, and uh, you know, play your show, and I'll be back for dinner. Um, but
3: yeah. we're open
0: to almost anywhere. Just By uh, the way,
3: something, know. and we, you mentioned New Orleans earlier a little bit, and Louis Armstrong, and it's not necessarily something you're gonna, you know, touch on the record. But sometimes when I hear you play, like especially that that song you did before, I can almost hear a little bit of New Orleans in it. You'll also did like nobody knows you when you're down and out last night yeah and a little bit of that very southern blues Blues. that i love sometimes i could almost hear like a muted trumpet you know with you Mm -hmm. the style i did that one was
0: kind of i guess a country blues but yeah i mean the you know the oh gosh i love jazz music mm -hmm. and i mean every time i've been in new orleans it's changed my life i think for the better and uh you know it's it's such a it's just so full of culture. I mean, it's almost like you can't leave that town without sort of getting kind of drenched in culture. It's
3: fake. It's <laughs> whether it's sure. the
0: fu- whether it's the food or, uh, or, you know, the, the art. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I spent a lot of time. I played with a guy named Robert Hunt and there was a band called the major sevens and we still play together quite often, but, um, you know, him and I, and, and uh, you know, both got into jazz. He sort of got very deeply into a lot of jazz music, and and I think was one of the main people who really turned me on to to other jazz music. Another guy I played with Drayton Aldridge, who uh, also you know was really into all kinds of jazz and Western swing, and but you know we we focused on you know the old 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 school stuff of, of New Orleans, all, all the way up into hard bop, and 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 just you know, all, all kinds of different jazz styles. So I, I like to think that, you know, by traveling around and also playing, you know, I'll play, we used to always play, you know, or, a, you know, something that is, that is real swinging, uh, you know, opposed to uh, something that's more like, You know, something that's real bluesy or kind of country bluesy. And so I like to, you know, I don't want to have too many rules I, I, while trying to respect each genre respectfully. You know, uh, I, I also like to kind of sort of break those rules a little bit and kind of blur the lines between the different genres. And, and if you can put certain jazz riffs or licks in, in an older song, perhaps you're, you know, kind of creating an amalgamation of, of uh, different styles. Which I'm pretty into, as as long as as long as I can try to be respectful of the genres, you know, the purists of each genre might not always appreciate that too, you know. But yeah. but so you know, I sometimes respect- I
3: don't think it's mutually exclusive because somebody like yeah. Willie Nelson, who's like Absolutely. known as this epitome of country, if you'd ask him, he would probably think he's a jazz guitar player. Yeah, he, he and his phrasing a lot of the time too, or people like Duck Sum, or you know, mm-hmm. there's just like. There's a lot of jazz in unlikely places to be found.
0: Absolutely, the, I mean, I've, I've heard m- multiple interviews with Willie Nelson where he's talking about Django Reinhardt. I think that it takes some people for a spin. They, yeah, they, they, I they think
3: Django to, and Charlie Christian uh-huh, are like some of his like main influence. And you can
0: hear the licks in there when, when he when he takes breaks, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's some It's not something that. I'm, I'm certainly not the first person to do that, and I, that's that's how musical styles evolve. I just think, especially like I come from you know an area where I, where bluegrass is very prevalent, and uh, you know people want to talk about that their new music is bluegrass, and and uh, you know bluegrass is is a pretty distinct style, and at least at least the traditional style of bluegrass, it's almost like you can't come up with new <laughs> bluegrass at that point it's almost a different genre you know it's almost like respecting the old style of it is what the genre is at least when i've talked to these traditional players or the purists of the of the genre um and then you have you know the the offshoots of it like new grass and and folk or whatever you want to call it but um you know i i think that there is there is a way to i don't know offend is a pretty strong word but it's almost that there's there is a way to sort of irritate people who have put their time in really preserving a genre. So I, I tried to be respectful as I said earlier about that, um, but I also try to have fun with it. Yeah. You
3: know? Well, do you, they're always gonna be the purists that mm-hmm. that's what they want. But mm-hmm. I think if somebody honestly references the history and obviously you studied it, I mean, that's just by Me, you really? know watching you perform, That's that's evident. And I think Thank nobody you. can deny that because they can say, "Oh, he put the time in. He learned, and then maybe he'll be able to take it, you know, somewhere else." And last night, uh, Buzz and Bill went, a radio promoter, and I, you know, went, went, went to see you perform, and you did this interesting medley of canball Rag." and Salty Dog Blues. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's like a way to, you know, pay tribute to the roots, but still finding an original spin by combining it and taking it somewhere else. Yeah,
0: I wonder if people have have done that before. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, Um, but I always think it's interesting when you can find, you know, a lot of songs overlap. There's a lot of overlap in 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 uh, different songs you know so when songs are similar sometimes I try to create these little medleys of them and that's that's just a product of that
3: yeah uh, would you mind uh, oh yeah I, I can, can play I, it for sure I, I um, it's not on the record and I want to make sure we you know we we, we represent the record enough but this, to me, shows another interesting side of what, what you can do live.
0: Yeah, and I've even talked to Buzz about maybe cutting this or something similar to it on the next one that we do. And um, But yeah, I'll do it right now. This is a sort of a mixture between the Cannonball Rag, which, you know, Merle Travis was, I guess, the most known we're doing. It's sort of a rite of passage, I think, for some finger pickers out there. But Doc Watson used to do it. I mean, a lot of finger pickers have played it. And like I said, I will be cheating a little bit. I'll be using more fingers than just two. Um, and then the Salty Dog Blues, I don't even know who wrote it, but I know that you know, almost everybody in the bluegrass and folk world has gone over that song before. Earl Scruggs and uh, Lester Flat definitely did a, a great version of it. But here we go, mm-hmm. this is the Cannonball Rag slash the Salty
1: Dog Blues. When I'm standing on the corner with low-down blues A red pick hole in the bottom of my shoes Honey, let me be your salty dog Let me be your salty dog I won't be your man at all Honey, let me be your salty dog Well, the nickel's a nickel and the dime's a dime The girls don't like me because i will take up my time Honey, let me be your salty dog Let me be your salty dog I won't be your man at all Honey, let me be your salty dog Let me pick one Trigger in my own hog, honey. Let me be all sard dog. Let me be all sard dog. I won't be your man at all, honey. Let me be all sard dog. I pulled the trigger and the gun set go, and the shot fell over in Mexico. Oh, honey. Let me be all sard dog. Let me be all sard dog. I won't be your man at all, honey. Let me be all sard dog. Yeah let me be, be your soda dog. I won't be your man at all. Honey let me be your soda dog. Let me be your salty dog. I won't be your man at all. Honey let me be your soda. dog. Honey let me be your salty dog. Honey let me be your soda dog.
3: Yeah, I like that, I like that, sure do. Hey, uh, we talked about some of your influences as a guitar player, Mm -hmm. but what about vocally?
0: Okay, Uh, well, I mean, I think we touched on it a tiny bit earlier, but it's it's not just uh, old You know, I mean, I I love the way, like, Ray Price used to sing, you know, when he sang Willie Nelson's Nightlife or something like that. I mean, Hank Williams, you know, he's, he, who, what singer that's even crossed over any of these genres didn't get inspired by Hank Williams? Many, many did, I think, but, uh, you know, when he does his yodeling and whatnot, and, uh, you know, Hank Williams would make these, it was almost like he would, he'd make these sounds um, with his voice that were, he would sort of embody the things he was talking about, that long, 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 you know, something like that, or uh long, you know, he, he would have, that's, that's a pretty awful version of it, but, but, uh yeah, that that sounds like someone who just woke up or something, but, you know, I I think that someone like Hank Williams or Jimmy Rogers or those old school uh, country singers that most people would probably reference, um, but, you know, I really like uh Patsy Cline. I mean, who, who doesn't, you know, her, her vocals are, or close to impeccable, if not. And uh, um, you know, I, there's there's all kinds of singers. Like I said earlier, I like the way Jimi Hendrix sings. I'm really, you know, I'm really into to his voice or Nat King Cole or uh, you know, uh, I mean, or you know, Mongolian throat singers. You know, it, it doesn't have to be um, somebody who uh, who is in the current pop scene. You know what I mean? Uh, and not that you would think that, but but the, what I'm what I'm trying to make light of is that, is that the influences can come from anywhere. Um, so it's it's not someone that uh, is just, uh, you know, not someone just like uh, like a Willie Nelson or whatever. Although I love Willie Nelson's vocals too, you know. Um, so it, it, it's it's uh, it's just a bit of everybody, you know.
3: Yeah. So. We've been talking here, you, you know, 45 minutes. Uh-huh. It's really interesting to get to know you a little bit more and talk about your craft and your Thank art. You. Uh, we haven't really had that chance before. So uh, anyway, to make a long story short, I, I just wish you the best of luck with this tour, with this record. Thank Hopefully you. it'll open some, you know, new doors and, and lead to some interesting opportunities. And thank you. Thank you for being my guest today. Oh
0: well, it was uh, such a pleasure, Andreas. It, it, you know, you have a you have a way of really making me open up to the world here. You know, I I, I got rambling many many times on this track, and I want to tell uh, everyone thanks for listening, and uh, you know, uh, follow what you think is your destiny out there. And uh, but I, I, I do uh, I do really appreciate it, and um, and I appreciate you uh, uh, saying good luck to me. And I, you know, I'm just trying to make it to the next show
3: yeah and the record is called so much beyond us which is also uh, the name of a song yes and it's on arena recordings yeah and uh would you mind uh taking us out with your solo version of annalee oh
0: annalee why'd you leave
3: yeah why not let's
0: do that
1: it's been so much time. I've been lost, the paths we crossed and mountains grown hard Soul, I still wonder where you're going. I still cold feet and hold that you ever.
2: This was the 35th episode of the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. We taped it at Buzz Kaysen's legendary creative workshop recording studio in the Berry Hill neighborhood of Nashville. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out some of the earlier episodes and subscribe to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube or wherever you may be listening. If you'd like to get a copy of Brooks' new album, So Much Beyond Us, go to BrooksForsyth.com or ArenaRecordings.net and it will be available on iTunes, Amazon, and all the usual outlets on Friday, September the 21st. Goodbye for now. Until next week.